1: biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers, and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America.
0: The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible, John Quincy Adams.
1: But for the book, we could not know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations
0: of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country.
1: Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible, a 15- to 20-minute reading every weeknight, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar.
0: And indeed, here we are, thanking you for joining us as we do each and every evening, as together we make our way through the Book of Books. Through the Bible. We will be reading tonight from the Gospel of Luke, the third book in the New Testament, the third of the four Gospel books Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then, of course, the Gospel of John. We'll be picking up in chapter six in the Gospel of Luke. We have read through the time of John the Baptist, not only his birth as the forerunner of Jesus the Messiah, but the beginnings of his ministry, and then how he turns that powerful ministry that he had with thousands and thousands of people, vast crowds following and listening. John the Baptist points them to Jesus the Messiah faithfully, then backs out of the way. He says, he must increase, I must decrease. What a tremendous example he was of godly ministry, not advancing himself, his name, his finances. He pointed faithfully, continually to Jesus, the Messiah, to the very end. Yes, he had some second thoughts about it, wondering again, are you really the Messiah, are we to look for another? But Jesus answered his questions and pointed him to the scriptures, to the prophecies, the predictions about the Messiah, and says, now look, John, you believe the word, you see what the word of God says about me, and you can see what's happening you know you've done the right thing. I was talking last night about this life, this moment that the Messiah, the Son of God, stepped into time and space. And I've been emphasizing that this is not just a religious event. This is not a matter of superstition like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or anything at all like that. This is reality. This is true. Jesus was, in fact, the Christ, the Messiah. He came to complete and fulfill All of the laws of Moses, all of the predictions and the prophecies of this Savior, and he transformed his world. Jesus lived in a real world just as we do today, a world oppressed by evil. Sickness and corruption, immorality and perversions of every kind were rampant across the Roman Empire and even within Israel, corruption from top to bottom. But within just three decades, just one generation, the message of redemption that he brought, it's not a new message, it's the message of the Old Testament. He completed that redemptive plan, and that message transformed in just a few decades the entire world of his time. It can happen again. Let's go right now to Proverbs chapter 4 for our wisdom and worship segment tonight here on The Bible Life. Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 9. My children, listen to me. Listen to your father's instruction. Pay attention and grow wise, for I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my teaching, for I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved by my mother as an only child. My father told me, take my words to heart. Follow my instructions and you will live. Learn to be wise and develop good judgment. Don't forget or turn away from my words. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And whatever else you do, get good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. End of reading Proverbs
1: 4, 1-9.
0: listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And that's what we intend to do tonight, turn our eyes on Messiah, turn our eyes upon Jesus. Looking unto him, the author and finisher of our faith, he will transform our lives. Stay with us during this next section as we read from the Gospel of Luke, chapters 6 into chapter 8 tonight following the life and ministry of jesus the messiah we have to remind ourselves continually that jesus lived in a real world it was a world rampant with wickedness and corruption not only in the roman empire at large but there in israel as well it was a time much like today america too once the greatest richest most powerful nation in all the world is in full decline We could see 50 years ago, decisions that were being made, the things that the people were allowing, that decline began. We knew that this time was coming. The blame is ours. We, the people, unlike the Roman Empire, we ourselves have allowed this to happen. The values that we have abandoned to take up these other values, these cisterns that hold no water, as the Bible calls it. Well, there is hope. Jesus lived in just such a world, one man, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, walking by faith in the direction and the timing of God himself. Why else would he wait till he's 30 years old to begin his ministry? Jesus waited patiently, waiting until the Father opened the door and indicated, now is the time to launch that ministry. Age 30 was the time that the Levites began their public ministries, never traveled more than 100 miles away from the city of his birth and yet he transformed his world. We can do that as well, receive by faith that salvation that he offers, that forgiveness and cleansing, and the empowering work of God's Spirit in our lives to live out the laws of God, change lives, change the world. Let's read about some of those changed lives tonight as we continue through the Gospel of Luke here on The Bible Live. Luke 6, 1 through 8, 3. Luke 6 one sabbath day as jesus was walking through some grain fields his disciples broke off heads of wheat rubbed off the husk in their hands and ate the grains but some pharisees said you shouldn't be doing that it's against the law to work by harvesting grain on the sabbath jesus replied haven't you ever read in the scriptures what king david did when he and his companions were hungry he went into the house of god ate the special bread reserved for the priests alone and then gave some to his friends that was breaking the law too And, Jesus added, I, the Son of Man, am master even of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched closely to see whether Jesus would heal the man on the Sabbath, because they were eager to find some legal charge to bring against him. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand here where everyone can see. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Is it legal to do good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing harm? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man, reach out your hand. The man reached out his hand, and it became normal again. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. One day, soon afterward, Jesus went to a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose twelve of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, he also called him Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. When they came down the slopes of the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed, and Jesus cast out many evil spirits. Everyone was trying to touch him because healing power went out from him, and they were all cured. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is given to you. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for the time will come when you will laugh with joy. God blesses you who are hated and excluded and mocked and cursed, because you are identified with me, the Son of Man. When that happens, rejoice. Yes, leap for joy for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were also treated that way by your ancestors. What sorrows await you who are rich, for you have your only happiness now? What sorrows await you who are satisfied and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger is before you? What sorrows await you who laugh carelessly, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow? What sorrows await you who are praised by the crowds, For their ancestors also praised false prophets.
1: This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.
0: But if you are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give what you have to anyone who asks you for it. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do for others as you would like them to do for you. Do you think you deserve credit merely for loving those who love you? Even the sinners do that. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, is that so wonderful? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, what good is that? Even sinners will lend to their own kind for full return. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them, and don't be concerned that they may not repay. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Stop judging others, and you will not be judged. Stop criticizing others, or it will all come back on you. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. If you give, you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, and running over. Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, it will be used to measure what is given back to you. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. What good is it for one blind person to lead another? The first one will fall into a ditch and pull the other down also. A student is not greater than the teacher, but the student who works hard will become like the teacher. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log from your own eye. Then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by the kind of fruit it produces. Figs never grow on thorn bushes or grapes on bramble bushes. A good person produces good deeds from a good heart, and an evil person produces evil deeds from an evil heart. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So why do you call me Lord when you don't obey me? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then obeys me. It is like a person who builds a house on a strong foundation laid upon the underlying rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who listens and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will crumble into a heap of ruins.
1: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
0: Luke 7. When Jesus had finished saying all this, he went back to Capernaum. Now the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish leaders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to come with them and help the man. If anyone deserves your help, it is he, they said, for he loves the Jews and even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I am not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this or that, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain with a great crowd following him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The boy who had died was the only son of a widow, and many mourners from the village were with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk to those around him, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and we have seen the hand of God at work today. The report of what Jesus had done that day spread all over Judea and even out across its borders. The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time he cured many people of their various diseases, and he cast out evil spirits and restored sight to the blind. Then he told John's disciples, Go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear. The dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who are not offended by me. After they left, Jesus talked to the crowd about John. Who is this man in the wilderness that you went out to see? Did you find him weak as a reed, moved by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxury are found in palaces, not in the wilderness. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger before you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is.
1: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
0: When they heard this, all the people, including the unjust tax collectors, agreed that God's plan was right, for they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in religious law had rejected God's plan for them, for they had refused John's baptism. How shall I describe this generation, Jesus asked? With what will I compare them? They are like a group of children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends, we played wedding songs, and you weren't happy, so we played funeral songs, but you weren't sad. For John the Baptist didn't drink wine, and he often fasted, and you say, he's demon-possessed. And I, the son of man, feast and drink, and you say, He's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of the worst sort of sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal, so Jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat. A certain immoral woman heard he was there and brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who was the host, saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, This proves that Jesus is no prophet. If God had really sent him, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus spoke up and answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. All right, teacher, Simon replied, go ahead. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, five hundred pieces of silver to one and fifty pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but she has kissed my feet again and again from the time I first came in. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who does this man think he is, going around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Luke 8 Not long afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby cities and villages to announce the good news concerning the kingdom of God. He took his twelve disciples with him, along with some women he had healed and from whom he had cast out evil spirits. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chuza, Herod's business manager. Susanna and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. End of reading Luke 6 1 through 8 3
1: the anchor holds, Listening to the
0: Bible live with Soapy Dollar. There is so much that is exciting about the message of Jesus. Between his teaching, his preaching, and his actions, there is no distinction. One is the continuation of the other. He is living out this message of redemption, this message of devotion to God and to obeying God's laws in his everyday life. That puts him against all of the corruption, the wickedness. The way that even the religious leaders of the time, many of them, were using religion to oppress the people. They had seen that, of course, with the oppression of the Roman Empire. All of this around them and over them, Jesus is walking right through the midst of it, being courageous, an astounding, amazing individual. In chapter 6, Jesus and the disciples picking wheat taking heads of grain, rubbing the husk off of the grain, and then eating the grain. This would be considered by the legalistic religious leaders as threshing grain, working on the Sabbath. Why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain? All common sense is gone. The answer is with Scripture. Remember what David did. The Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then he adds this, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Jesus clearly, constantly during his ministry was pointing to himself and declaring himself to be the Messiah, to be the Son of God. He made a point of teaching to the Pharisees as well that the Messiah was and must needs have been, because of Scripture, the Son of God. He chose these titles from the Old Testament that highlighted who he was. Jesus openly and directly claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God there were his direct claims to be god in the messiah then there were his indirect claims where he claimed a prerogative or initiative or an authority that only god had and we see that right here the son of man is lord even over the sabbath he claimed to be the lord of the sabbath the one who can rightly interpret the laws of god Back in our reading the other night, in chapter 5, we saw him healing that paralyzed man. They opened a hole in the top of the roof, and they lowered the sick man, the paralyzed man, on a mat down into Jesus' presence. Before Jesus said, stand up and walk, he said, your sins are forgiven. Oh, that touched off a huge controversy. Jesus knew the thinking of the Pharisees, and he said, Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And, of course, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because nobody can tell if the sins are forgiven or not. But he said, I will prove to you that I, the Son of Man, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then to the man, stand up, take up your mat, and walk, go home. You have the direct claims of Jesus to be the Messiah, to be the Son of God. Then you have these indirect claims where he takes upon himself. He assumes a prerogative, an initiative, a power, an authority that only God has to forgive sins, to be the Lord of the Sabbath, and so on. And then finally we'll see the dramatized claims. Every time he raises one from the dead, every time he tells the the sea and the wind to quiet and be still, Uh, He is dramatizing the fact that he is indeed the Lord of life and death, the Lord of lords. I wanted to point you back to the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, where Isaiah prophetically is talking about the Messiah. When he comes, Isaiah says, "...he will open the eyes of the blind, he will unplug the ears of the deaf, the lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy." In Luke chapter 7, when John the Baptist questions, Jesus points him to passages like Isaiah 19, Isaiah 35, like I just read, and he said, this is what the Messiah is supposed to look like, and this is what is happening. The lame are walking, the blind are seeing. The ministry of Jesus, the Messiah, is so ironic in a way and sometimes almost uh, almost humorous. Here is this Roman centurion this roman military officer who is supposedly the great enemy of israel and god's people embracing the ministry of jesus the messiah in my mind i kind of have often wondered i wonder if that might have been cornelius that we read about in the book of acts later on perhaps totally a different person but contrast him with the jews and the israelites of nazareth where jesus was amazed at their unbelief and here he is a gentile and he says i've not seen such faith In all of Israel. Maybe you would place your faith in Christ today. The Bible Live
1: with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live. P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.